reluctantly crouched at the starting line. Engines pumping and thumping in time. The green light flashes, the flags go up. Churning and burning, they yearn for the cup. They deftly maneuver and muscle for rank. Fuel burning fast on an empty tank. Reckless and wild, they pour through the turns. Their prowess is potent and secretly stern. As they speed through the finish, the flags go down. The fans get up and they get out of town. The arena is empty, except for one man still driving and striving as fast as he can. The sun has gone down and the moon has come up. And long ago, somebody left with the cup. But he's driving and striving and hugging the turns and thinking of someone for Welcome to Talking Giants presented by SeatGeek. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick. We got ourselves a mailbag podcast. Justin, how are you? Hey, Bobby Skinner. I'm very excited for Sunday Night Football. I want to give more of a, a monologue on how excited I am for Sunday Night Football on Friday's preview pod, since that makes more sense. But can't wait for it, man. Biggest game of the season. Get buckled up for it. I don't think people are excited enough, but I am. How are you? Yeah, I get it because partly it's like, you know, we're 0-3-1 in our last four games, so it's hard to be super, like, you know, after especially after being at one point, we were 6-1 and and then 7-2. and uh, I understand it, but it's like, like you said, like the essentially the playoffs are on the line this week because the Seahawks, they've got a tough schedule, you know, they've got tough sledding the rest of the way, and then... You beat the Commanders, you have one game up on them, but you essentially have two games up on them because of the tiebreaker. And I'd rather be 0-3-1 with still a winning record in the month of December compared to, oh my God, how are we going to get through the rest of the year? Basically every single year since 2016 that we've said, oh my God, when, when we get to December, we're like, how are we even going to survive to the end of the season? Especially after we started this podcast <laughs> and talking about this team. I'd much rather be in this situation now compared to the last couple of years. Yeah, and our, our first mailbag question kind of talks about that is like how the Giants started strong and have been sputtering lately. Um, first, this episode was brought to you by one special person, Joe Lagrippo. Um, and in fact, Joe, he, he works for the S network and he made a great, uh, meme for us. The, <laughs> yeah. what do you, what do they even do? Um, and he sent me that and I was like, all right, you can, I was like, just follow our talking giants page on Twitter. Cause I wanted to tweet it out and give him credit. And then he became a patron and he's in the chat. So uh, who is Joe and why is he here? Joe, he went to patreon.com slash talking giants. And especially like I found that to be so funny. And if you're a Patreon member and if you follow the talking giants Patreon Twitter, you know exactly what we're talking about. If you don't, tough, then you got to join and you got to be part of the family. But Joe made that and it was so funny. And then I see like, you know, Joe, you know, Joe works for the Yes Network. It was very, very funny. Um, and I'm like, coming from he the was at top our tailgate rope. too. Awesome, right on. So he came from the top rope. Man, if I this, worked for this, what happens worked, when you're the only Patreon member for an episode? We get you just get a full like you know breakdown of who you are. I don't know if Joe told me that he worked for the S Network when you know we we saw him at the tailgate. But if I worked for the S Network, I would just go up to people and say, "Hey, you know I work for the S Network. You know I provide stats. You know I do things. You know I do graphics for Michael K and Jack Curry." I would just say that. And the talking giants guys lately. Uh, I guess we're part of yes, technically with John Boy Media. We're we're uh, a branch, I guess. Cousin. Also, I'm starting to do some draft stuff. So Patreon new benefits for the Patreon. I tweet out my draft reports whenever I finish them to the Patreon mm. Twitter. I don't do that to regular Twitter because I don't feel go. like debating like one single point people disagree with. Are you like starting with like guys that you know are going to be at the Senior Bowl? Yes. So Cedric Van Pran and then the edge rusher from Notre well, Dame. Well, Cedric Van Pran was not. That was the. Just picking someone from my way to early mock. Oh, uh, yeah. Isaiah Foskey out of Notre Dame. Uh, I'm working on... I'm just kind of getting reports done for the Senior Bowl because we were not ready for the Senior Bowl last year with all the coaching and stuff. So I'm just getting... you know, And and also, we're trying to do jam football stuff. Sorry we're wasting everyone's time who's just here for Giants. We're doing so much jam football stuff and I'm just like in my head. I was like, draft stuff is what works. So I'm just going to yep. do draft videos. Let's just do draft videos. All right, Justin, who is Joe, anyways? I said patreon.com slash talking giants, and there's a lot of other benefits. You know what they are, including the Twitter, including the the draft reports. I, every single one, you put out a draft report of every single player that you cover, right? 
I didn't last year, but I think this year I might just do that. Every single player on just tweet out. I'll tweet out the draft report I write up. Might as well. Uh, those are those are some benefits. Those are the tiers. Uh, there's there are there are some tiers. You know the drill. Thanks to our patrons. All right, take it away, Steve. Mail time. Mail time. The mail's here. Come on. Here's the mail, it never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. Thanks, Steve from Blues Clues. Justin, let's get into the mail. Oh my god, my eyesight's extra bad today. I gotta bring the computer up to my face. Do you die. Have... Never mind. Die John at die underscore John. What were you gonna say to me? I was going to ask you about maybe something that's a sponsor, but it's not technically. Blue light glasses. Anyways, go ahead. Mm, not this show. Would you rather the season gone the way it has with the win versus the Titans, the Packers in London, or the Ravens, or lose those games and beaten the Lions, the Seahawks, the Commanders? Um, so I guess we'll just... We'll just start off with that. Would would we rather basically flip the season? Would we have rather lost those games early on and then win the second half or vice versa? Um. So here's why I'm going to say I would rather the season have gone the way it has. Now there is some there is some elements to it. Uh, the offense was doing some things, and it's there's parts of it being figured out. You know, and they can't open up fully to what they want to do because of personnel. So. That's the part where you could say maybe the thing is caught up and then Saquon is the other thing where it's like those are the two negative sides of it is Saquon, you know, he's not as effective and we'll talk about that in this question. But the reason I think we're losing these games and we're on the streak is one, we've played better teams. The Eagles and Cowboys have top five talented rosters in the NFL. The Lions are a good team and injuries have caught up to us. You know, like I don't I don't think we've been totally figured out. I think injuries have killed us in huge uh, spots. Adora Jackson being out is huge. Xavier McKinney being out is big. Leonard Williams being out is huge. Like this run defense cannot survive without Leonard Williams. You know, like it's not going to be good anyways, but it just flat out can't survive without Leonard Williams. Um, so I think injuries have uh, done it. So I don't think the team has totally fallen off for the guys who are on the field, but I think injuries have caused us all. Long story short, I let, I'd rather the season go the way it has because I don't think it's, I don't think we had fool's gold on anything besides maybe a little Saquon. Right, right. Like I would rather, and even that kind of falls in the injury category. But that yeah. the issue is, it's an injury history there with the running back spot. Yeah, maybe injury is the wrong word, but just being worn down, just the seat because in- injuries are part of football, and that shouldn't always just be. An excuse, and I think we have to stop that with Saquon Barkley. If he's on the field, we should expect him to rock and roll. Anyway, um, I'm with you, man. I would much rather have the season gone the way that it was rather than the Giants scraping and clawing their way back. Because, you know, if they lose those games to start the year, right, then they're under 500. They're scraping, they're clawing in their way back to 500, maybe get above 500 towards the latter part of the year. And, you know, there's a valiant effort in that too. But just how awesome is it to start the year awesome? And that is just not something that we have had. It's been a long time, man. It's been a long time where the Giants are in October and November and we have relevant football going on. So um, I would have definitely, definitely rather, especially while the team is healthy, rocking and rolling, uh, have the team you know, be 7-2 and two and the season gone the way that it's gone. Yeah, and I, like again, I think part of it is just like some of the schedule stuff, you know. Like, the Ravens are a good team that we beat. Definitely, you know, won that game. The Packers, even though they're not a good team, it's like anytime you're playing an Aaron Rodgers team coming off back-to-back MVPs, I still think that's a solid win. Yeah. Um, Titans, week one. <laughs> yeah. You know, even though the Titans have had, haven't had had the best last couple of weeks, but they've been a solid team this year. Um, so, yeah, and it's just, again, the Eagles and Cowboys are top five talents, like roster, just roster talent from top to bottom in the NFL. Um you know, they were up at halftime versus the Cowboys. Now, the tie versus Washington bothers me because, like, that game should have been won. Um, you know, but, like, there's no game that I go – like, that's the only game I go at. I'm like, damn, like, that's – like, that's that's a – they had to win that. and They should have won that, and they didn't. You know, because even the Lions at the time, maybe they weren't. But it's like the Lions are kind of good now. Like, yeah. they're beating good teams. Like, their only loss in the last, what, five, six weeks is barely losing to the Bills on Thanksgiving – like 
they are they are like becoming a good team. Like they're the team I'm worried about in this playoff picture. If we do beat the Commanders, yeah, they're know, rolling. So. Um, and the Seahawks game is different. I think if you're not playing it in Seattle, and if Richie James maybe doesn't fumble twice, you know that that game is also possibly uh, a different game as well. However, I thought. I think that that Seattle game was kind of the the start of the fall. I don't want to dismiss, Bobby, the element of the Giants are kind of being figured out. Kind of. And what I mean by that is, you know, uh, Research Rick shared, you know, the athletic football show where Robert Mays shared a stat about how 65% of the Giants' early down passes, 65% of them are play-action attempts. And we have seen... Over the last couple weeks, and I think it started with that Seattle game, teams have started to figure out what the Giants are doing on those play-action boots and on those play-action rollouts. And you could say that Mike Kafka and Brian Dable have added wrinkles to that every now and then, but overall, the effectiveness of those plays has tremendously gone down since that Seattle game, and they're continuing to run it, and they're not, and they're not adjusting from it. Here's the issue, though. The only thing I push back on that is because I do agree with you. There has been elements that have been figured out. But I don't think the only game where you can point at and say that is a reason why they didn't win was the Commanders game. Like, I don't think the scheme had anything to do with the losing to the Lions. You know, and then... Cowboys, they ran it well. There were a couple big plays that they had in the Cowboy game. So, yeah. Yeah. So, like, yeah. That's a good point. Um you know, so like that stuff will matter. Like, like when we on our on our recap pod on Monday, where we talked about some things that were like better. It's like I don't think it changes this game, but this has to change for the Commanders game. Um, you know, where yeah, we talk also about more drop back there, passing and stuff. There's there's a point of you know you can point at a game or you can point at a certain situation and just be like, hey, you know, even though this isn't an element or a sole reason why the Giants won or lost this game. There is still an element of you just look at the accumulation of the last few weeks, like their effectiveness on play action on early downs. They it literally went from a team that is one of the best in the league at it to now when they run play action on early downs. I think Robert Mays used that it's 18th on an EPA basis. That's the you know that's the metric that he was using. So yeah, I, I mean I agree with you in saying that. Okay, is it one of the reasons why the Giants are winning or losing the games being figured out? No. But the overall effectiveness of it has definitely gone down, and it has and it has impacted how well the offense has moved the ball. That's true. That's true. In the Commanders game, I think if they don't get so heavy play action, I think they win that game. Yeah. Um, you know, and that that does you know that that would make this game. You know, you could you could be you could essentially seal a playoff fate win if a playoff game if you won that game. Um, the one thing where I do worry about it is like is again the Saquon being worn down like uh you know these you know weeks one through seven versus weeks eight through um 14 you know so first seven games the last six his yards um after contact per attempt went from 3.4 to 1.9 and that is essentially the exact difference of his just yards per carry in total in those times where it was five yards per carry down to three point three point three, you know that the you know there's there's point or the point two and that's huge that's huge those are that's essentially the teams have taken away the big runs and you brought up the broken tackle stats like you can talk about the offensive line being issues and giving Saquon issues absolutely but when they're not giving you issues Saquon was breaking plays and making big plays and he's not doing that anymore you know like he was in the beginning of the year even when he wasn't necessarily breaking tackles in the beginning of the year he was making cuts that led to big plays he's not doing that anymore so I think that's the one thing that worries you going into these last four games is like, what kind of, do we get any type of, it's like you said, is Saquon Barkley an advantage in these last four games? And that's the worry I have in this last four games of the season. Yeah, you mentioned his explosivity not even being there um, these last couple of weeks. So what I actually did today is I went game by game and I charted uh, the Giants, you know, the total 10 plus yard rushing attempts that they had on the season. And, you know, we'll just talk Saquon Barkley. Uh, Saquon Barkley had a run rate of 10 plus yards on 10.1% of his carries the first 10 weeks of the season. The last four weeks, it's cut in half. It's 5.02%. So only 5% of his carries the last four weeks that he's gotten, you know, 10 plus yard runs out of him. Um, That's huge. That's huge. And obviously, you know, so you could, so you could look at that Bobby and you could say, well, the offensive line is not doing him any favors and it's not, 
They're not helping him, right? It's the offensive line. It's the offensive line. You have you can have a valid point there, but the yards after contact metric, which that is largely an individual running back metric, severely gone down on that compared to how he started the season. And then he's also just not breaking tackles. Broken tackles is one of those metrics. It's just a simple stat that's like, can a running back break tackles? Can he help a play with his own individual effort, or can he not? And Saquon Barkley just has not been able to do that since 2018-2019. So uh, we're in a tough spot with him, man. We are in a very, very tough spot with Saquon. I'm, I'm, hope, I'm rooting for him to turn it around because he has to turn we around. If, we need if him. He has to turn around if this Giants team is going to make the playoffs. And, I, and talking long term, like I, I think with the way the season's played out, uh, it would be hard just to let him walk. So maybe I, I, but I'm, but I'm now like in the franchise tag or bus. Like I'm not giving him multi years. And if we just kind of, I hate it's, it's, it's brutal, but it's like, I'm just going to do what the Steelers did with Le'Veon Bell. Um, but it would, it would hurt to just let him walk for nothing. But at this point, you can't give him a long term contract. So we, we need him to be good this last, last four weeks of the season. Yep. Next question. Next question is going is coming from Tobias Colmegna at Tobias underscore 0709. Do you think Kayvon Thibodeau and Aziz Ojolari are developing into a potentially scary pass rush duo? Man, I am starting to get excited for those two guys. Kayvon, we said it before the Cowboys games, like he's kind of went cold. And since the Cowboys game, these last three games, man, he's been on a stretch. You know, in these last three games, he's got a sack, seven hits, nine pressures. He should have another sack, by the way. That I don't know why he didn't get to split that one with yeah, Aziz Yeah, I, I don't understand. They should have at least gave him, like, a QB hit on that or, or something. Yeah. Like, that should have been a split sack. And he played really well versus Jordan Mailata and had good reps versus Lane Johnson. I'm going to clip up his uh, his 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 pass rush wins. Um after this podcast or sometime tomorrow. Um, He's been really good, you know, and like Aiden Hutchinson, who's like the top in like total sacks, QB hits and pressures for rookies this year. He's at 141 pass rush reps. Kayvon's only like three off. Like Kayvon's got two sacks, 10 hits, 24 pressures. Hutch has eight sacks. He wins in sacks uh, largely. Uh, Five less hits and then only two more pressures, you know, and again, he's played 141 more pass rush reps. That's a lot. That's essentially, you know, that's four, four, four to five games worth. So cave on these last few weeks. I don't, I don't want, I don't care about, the, I do care about sacks long term, but just for a rookie developing, like you're seeing a lot of good stuff on him. And he created a sack for Aziz Ojalari this week. And he created a sack for Ryder Anderson this week. Yeah. I feel like for rookie pass rushers, unless your name is Miles Garrett and you just immediately hit from day one, which there's very few Miles Garretts in, or in the NFL. Parsons. Or or Micah Parsons, and there's you know, there's only a few of those guys in the National Football League, right? I feel like for rookie pass rushers, you're looking at, you know, hey, can you consistently kind of get home with QB hits, pressures, and even like those departments, like if Kayvon, like I have Kayvon Thibodeau and Aziz Ojolari's 17-game rate stats right here, so... We'll just do it for Kayvon. He's played in 11 games. I think one of them, he got 58% of the snaps against the Cowboys, and that's like a game where they were really kind of babying him to kind of come back. But here's his numbers on a 17-game rate. Three sacks, 15.5 QB hits, and 23 pressures. I use pro football reference, not PFF, because pro football reference, I like the way they keep track of pressures more. So if you're telling me that, you know, Kayvon can finish, if you were to tell me in August that Kayvon would finish with a, you know, 15 QB hit season and almost a 25 pressure season, which ideally, like if if you want to be an A-plus pass rusher in the NFL, you're giving me 20 QB hits and you're giving me 30 pressures Every single year. And if that's Kayvon Thibodeau's first year where he's getting within five, five QB hits and five pressures of that, that's really awesome. And Aziz Ojolari on a 17-game rate, a little bit more Fugazi since he only played four games, but 17 sacks, uh, 17 QB hits, and 34 pressures. Yeah. Again, I, I'm not going to – yeah, the Ojolari, like – a little bit more fugazi to do that. Yeah, you got you got need more of a sample size. But I did look like just like his pressure percentage – it's the second highest for an edge player for the Giants since they started charting that. The only one, actually, weirdly enough, was Robert Ayers in 2014. He just looks better, you know? Like, it's the eye test, too. It's not just looking at... Like, last year, you can look at Aziz Ojolari's stats and be like, it's not necessarily matching the eye test. Like, he's not winning a ton. You know, he's not being doubled a ton. But he does, like, have a player or two every game that will end up on the stat book. 
he looks like his hand usage looks a lot better. And he's not like the most powerful guy in the world, but it's like he could get an offensive line's chest and drive them back and then work his quick hands off of it. So yeah, I, I'm very excited about those two. And that's why when we, what did we say, you know, on the draft recap pod is like, we have taken what has been a giant's weakness for a long time and potentially turned it into a strength. And I think that's what we might have here with Kayvon and Aziz. There was a mailback question that you didn't include, but I actually really like it. You know, we were saying about Aziz Ojolari that his ceiling is a very, very good edge rusher number two. I do think just watching him for four games this year and then jumping to a different conclusion may be, may be not a smart thing to do. But are you starting to think that Aziz Ojolari's ceiling can maybe be more than just a really good number two complimentary piece? No, because you look around the league and there's so many great one-two punches. And that's what that's what my goal is for Aziz is to be the number two. Because I think if he's your number one, um, you know, maybe the number two is right there with him. And then it's not a bad pass rushing. But, like, you look around the league and it's like as I, I still view Aziz as, like, a really good number two. Um, you know, and I think that's what he's going to be for the New York Giants. Like, hopefully Kayvon is that one. You know, we draft him to be the one. Uh, and Aziz is that two to him. Um, I also think there's just a size and strength element to Aziz Ojolari, even though he did add a little weight and got a little stronger. That's like, you kind of need to be a one unless you're just like amazing, amazing, amazing. Aziz is 22. How old's Kayvon? Is he younger? Kayvon is 21. So. Oh, no. Actually, it's Kayvon's birthday in two days. So he'll be 20. So they'll both be 22. December Word. 15th is, is Kayvon Thibodeau's birthday. Everybody go wish him a happy birthday. Happy birthday, Kayvon. Happy birthday, Kayvon. Uh, one other thing that I wanted to note um, Kayvon Thibodeau on pace for if he did play a 17 game season, 15.45 QB hits. Uh, Aziz Ojolari had 13 his rookie year. So how do you like that? I wanted to include that note. I like that. All right. Um, next question. Um, before we get to the next question, I want to talk to you about AG1 and Athletic Greens. I started taking AG1 because I want to improve my immune system. I want to make sure that my body is ready to fight off whatever may come my way. It's flu season. You want to make sure that your body is strong, ready to rock and roll. You don't want to get sick when the weather is getting cold. So what is AG1? It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, or artificial anything while still tasting good. It costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit right now it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition it's just one scoop in a cup of water every day that's it and you get all those vitamins those minerals all the things that you need to start off your day and to make it easy athletic greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune supporting vitamin d and five free travel packs with your first purchase all you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com giants again that is athleticgreens.com giants to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance you'll be glad you did that You'll be glad you did. Next question. Now we're going to get to the next question. This is coming from Sam. I cannot believe how bad my eyesight is today that I have to pick up this freaking computer and read these questions. At Giants and Foxes. That's a great handle. Andrew Thomas has let three sacks up in three games. What's the main reason behind this, do you think? Bobby, I want to include a little nugget that I'm going to take from you. Is that two of the three sacks that Andrew Thomas has been credited of allowing have come on play action attempts. Yes, and those are the two ones that happened because of physical ability. The The third sack allowed versus the Commanders is like, it, I, we talked about it at length, about how it's like, I think it's one of those things where it's like, in, in what, what's the phrase? Um, I'm mm. having a Rickyism right now. Sure. Um, and uh, in theory, he allowed the sack in practice. I don't really think oh, he, that's, he allowed Oh, that's right, that's right, that's right. Um. So one teams how are just like they are just rushing the passer on play action with the Giants like their edges are just get, like go after the quarterback do not play the run because it's going to lead to negative plays so that's part of it but still even then like that Josh Sweat just beat him around with speed and I was very surprised at that 
But the sack doesn't, that sack from that game doesn't necessarily worry me. What, ha- and I'm not worried about Andrew Thomas. My worry for Andrew Thomas is like, I have him in the top of the top. So I, I'm going to hold him to that standard, you know, doesn't, you know, so like this past game, was it some bad game? No, but for the Andrew Thomas standard, for me, it was a bad game um, because he gave up, uh, a, he had like three other bad pass pro reps in the game, you know, not horrible, but three. And what Thomas has done so well is not let guys use their hands against him and or using his hands against him. You know, he'll pull his hands, but that leaves him vulnerable to the bull rush. And it's something I talked about on Oler Reports earlier in the year. It's like, I don't know why guys just don't bull rush Andrew Thomas. Like, he yeah. invites it. Why not just do it? And the Eagles did do that. And, like, Reddick had a good play where he got up in his chest and then pulled him and got him off balance. Um, and then there was one other one where they, you know, got him and, and drove him back, like, about you know, a little further than he usually would. Um, so that's where I'm like, okay, well, our team's going to just start bullying Andrew Thomas and uh, for the rest of the way. Uh, but I also don't think, like, pass rushers don't want a bull rush. So I don't think that's... A, I, I don't have any worry about Andrew Thomas, basically is what I'm saying. My my only worry is, like, it ruins my, like, you know... Just like he has the most perfect pass pro rating in the NFL. Now he has like the fifth best for left tackles. Yeah, seven of his 16 pressures that, you know, he, he's allowed this season have been within the last three weeks. But it's still so crazy that he's only allowed two QB hits. That's nuts. This entire year. Yeah, like I, I'm going to look up the the pass blocking efficiency stats and see where he ranks for left tackles now. Look look at it. Look at Look at it from uh, from true pass sets. Well, he's better from true passes because he hasn't given up. He's only given up one sack. Oh, that's right, only sets. one sack. So, well, no, I, I want to know what it is from true pass sets. That's how that's how tackles should be evaluated, in my opinion. No, because like the play action ones are almost harder sometimes. Hold on, hold on. Minimum pass blocking snaps. Um, let's see, let's see. Out of left tackles, so he's behind Trent Williams, Darisaw, and Tunsil. So fourth, he's he's fourth. Before he's he fifth. was second, he was only behind Laramie Tensel. Fifth is Brian O'Neill from the Vikings. The Vikings numbers are a little fugazi though because they like just they they just like wa- they wash their guys around um, the corner. Let me see. I'll, I'll look at it from True Pass sets. How many times? How many times are you going to say fugazi on this podcast? Yeah, for so from True Pass sets, he is he's fourth too. Be for left tackles. There's right tackles, and right tackle numbers are so much different than left tackle numbers. Uh, so is, he's, Tristan, he's, is Tristan Wirfs going to man up and move to left tackle because Donovan Smith gets a holding call that's significant well, I think every Tristan week? Tristan Wirfs might even be injured right now, isn't he? Oh, he is. I just want him to for the Andrew Thomas Tristan Wirfs debate. Like Correct. it's fine for him to stay at right tackle. I just want him to play left tackle for that debate. Correct. All right, but you're next right. Question. He is hurt. He is hurt. Okay, uh, man, eyesight. Jay Stitt. But it's funny that like, Thomas on the spat streak and still his numbers are only worse than Taron Armstead, Trent Williams, um, Darisaw, and then Larry Tunzel. And he's he's so the only guy that he's clearly better in that group is Darisaw. Um and then like Armstead, Williams, and Tunzel, like they're like he's right there with those guys. Like he is but he is the best yeah. of the best. If you want to decide who's your top four in different order, fine. But he's in that top four. And those guys have been the best of the best for a long time. And Andrew yeah. Thomas is joining them. Jay Stitt, he asks, rank the Giants' current needs by position. Alright, so we're gonna spend some time on this. We're gonna go through our top five. Um, and I think this is just a good way to talk about each position and the weaknesses that it is. What would be your number one, and by need, I'm going to say the way, the aggressiveness you attack it in the offseason. So not just weakest, because number one for my need is not the weakest position for me. So what is your number one need for the Giants off uh, Giants uh, team? Uh, wide receiver one. Me too. I agree. I agree. I don't think it's the weakest position, but I think it's the biggest need. You just, you need a guy in the NFL today. Like, Hodgins is nice and stuff, but it's like Hodgins is not an answer. Slayton, that's all like it's awesome, but it's like there's really no deep threat on this team, and there's no and then there's no guy who can just go and win consistently, no matter who you're playing. Like he's gonna win. Like if they play all like like an AJ Brown, it's like oh they're gonna play off coverage, we're gonna run quick quick hitters. They're gonna play press up, we're just gonna throw the ball up to you. Um, 
and have a guy to go to. So I think I just we just need that. Like like you need that. You know, you see the way it's you know it's given issues for you know Aaron Rodgers losing Devontae Adams. Having that wide receiver one is so huge. It, it really helps. It just makes a quarterback's life so much easier. And guess what? And it takes routine plays and turns turns them into scoring plays. Like we know that with you know Odell. Like it's not just about like winning a versus a cornerback and having separation. It's like those guys just they take routine plays and turn them into scoring plays. They turn them from a thirty yard passing stat for your quarterback to a fifty five yard touchdown stat. You know, and they they finish drives, and that's what the NFL about is about at the end of the day, getting seven points, and they make such a huge difference in that. So, uh, I think linebacker is the biggest weakness, but to me, wide receiver is the biggest need. Yeah, explosive plays, man. Uh, just uh, yards after the catch, a guy that can be able to run a route that you can trust, that you can, you know, hey, Daniel Jones, this is your first progression, and you, you can feel confident that this guy is going to be open and not necessarily something that's solely derived from scheme. Jimmy's and Joe's having a guy that can win his matchup, and, you know, the Giants, we are now approaching another offseason where the Giants are the worst team in the National Football League in explosive pass play rate, and... Luckily, it hasn't tanked their season like it has in the past, but that needs to change if the Giants are going to have any sort of any sort of sustainable success. What's number two for you, Mike linebacker? Yeah, it's such a huge need, man. By the way, I went I watched Jalen Smith specifically. Like you know, I I go watch the film. I don't sit there and focus on every guy, every rep. I just kind of give a you know like. But anyway, I watched Jalen Smith specifically because of the Carl Banks tweet. And that's propaganda. That is anti. And I, I guess there was a comment about Tay Crowder on their show about he's just you know after the benching. That's that's propaganda. Jalen Smith was horrible. It, honestly, it might have been Jalen Smith's worst game of the year. Like he was getting <laughs> bullied by the Eagles' <laughs> offensive line. He was bad feeling. Uh, you know, and getting into his run fits. He was like it was horrible. Like it's one of the worst Mike linebacker games I've seen. You know, um. And it's just like, and I think Tay Crowder should play, but it's like if we put Tay Crowder in there too, he's gonna suck. I just think he's gonna suck a little less. Um, yeah, it's a it's a putting lipstick on a on a pig conversation, I guess. Yeah, like every time I I'm gonna do it every single week that they start Jalen Smith, I'm gonna go watch the film. Like Tay Crowder should be starting, and people are like, oh, are you crazy? Tay Crowder sucks. And I'm like, yes, I agree, but he should be starting. <laughs> and I think a Mike linebacker would make us feel better about guys like Mike McFadden. Like I think if we had a good Mike linebacker. Micah McFadden would be well liked right now, even though he does make some mistakes um, and guess a little bit. Um, but you like kind of want your weak side backer. You, know, you don't want him to make mistakes, but you want your weak side backer to be able to fly around and make plays. And if they make mistakes, then you should have the supporting cast like an interior defensive line, like a Mike linebacker that can clean that stuff up. But Micah McFadden making mistakes looks worse because the Giants just don't have those guys to back him up. Yeah, so like I, I can linebacker could be a first round pick for the Giants this year. Like it's it's such a huge need, and it's like I don't understand how people devalue the linebacker so much, and especially people are like like with Blake and now Blake Martinez. It's been different, but like even when he was, he was like, oh, he just he's a run stopping linebacker. It's like that's the job of a linebacker. Like there's it's like you need you need to be functional in coverage, but stopping the run is what what you do as a linebacker. So yeah, linebacker is such a huge, it's their weakest position by far. Like it is much weaker than wide receiver right now. Like it's so bad. Um, What's third for you? I think this is where we're going to start to deviate. I have CB2 slash CB1 if they move away from a Dory Jackson. You but thought we just... deviate. I agree. Oh, Wow. Whether you keep whether Adore is here for two years or three years, Adore could be here for three more years, guaranteed and playing well. And I would still say cornerback. We need got we need the guys that that play press man. We need press man Connors, as Dave Gettleman would say. Uh, and I just think it's such a valuable position in the NFL. Um, yeah, like it's just it's just so valuable in general. Uh, and it, 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 having corners like guys like Sauce Gardner, Adore Jackson, it just changes the way you can play offense, you know. Um, so yeah, I, I I agree with you on corner. Now you could tell me like Cordell Flott, and I actually tried today, and I may continue this if I have the energy for the rest of the week. I tried today as Bobby has a sneezing fit. Oh man, that's a big sneezing fit. Bobby has a sneezing fit off camera. I've tried to like 
watch plays where Cordell Flott's in, he's just not playing enough. And even when he's in, it's just non-consequential plays. I can't even give you like an evaluation of his of his rookie year. So um, I don't even know. And corner's a position you're always got to be drafting too. Um, yeah. Honestly, there's a lot of positions you should... I guess every position besides like quarterback, you should always be drafting. Um, I also think, well, not not just maybe drafting. Maybe not safety too. I just think I'm I'm of the belief that Giants should be spending a huge amount of percentage of their cap on corner because I think these corners that are just in free agency, like I value experience at the cornerback spot so much more than a lot of the other positions in the National Football League, partially because I have PTSD from Giants draft mistakes at corners, but then also you've just seen how well free agent signings have worked. Adoree yeah. Jackson, James Bradbury, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, even, you know, go back to Janoris Jenkins, DRC. Yes. Like DRC, yeah. Corners, is, I, I agree with you where it's like, that's the one position I'm willing to splurge oh, like consistently in free agency is that cornerback position. Um because it is such it's such a hard transition to the NFL coming out of the draft. And there's even like guys like, you know, the guys out of Washington last year where it's like these guys may be awesome, but it's like it's so hard to tell because they just play in like these cover three hang positions and it's like they're they're never like, you know, they're never just tested or they play against crappy wide receivers. Um you know, so uh like even Sauce Gardner, like I I thought Sauce Gardner was the best player in this last draft. I was still worried. I was like, I don't know, like corner, like he could bust. Like yeah. I don't know, I you know, pardon me, I just Jeff Okuda was seen in a similar light where it's like, oh, this can't miss prospect, and it's taken him how many years? You know, mostly is he had a year due to injury, but he was terrible his rookie year. He was so bad, and now he's kind of recovered somewhat well. I think so. Position number four, interior offensive line. No, I have wide receiver too. I think that's kind of I I I thought we we're talking about just positions, not depth. Oh, chart okay. Positions. Well, I think wide receiver. I think wide receiver one is a very different position from wide receiver two. If that's a cop out answer, but I I do kind of believe it. Yeah, but interior off. Even then, I still would say interior offensive line before. All right. That. Well, then next next on my list, not counting wide receiver two, I do have interior offensive line. I mean, we don't need to give you guys ton on that but it's like right now we don't have any for sure answers there like we need to see nick gates play center um azudu could be what we don't know like you can't bank on that bredesen is like are you ever going to get health like bredesen is is kind of just injury prone yeah you know like it's not just the injuries had this year like he had like three injuries last year so he might just be injury prone um so you can't bank on that so you really don't have like any for sure answer in the interior right now like, the only one you have some confidence in is Nick Gates, and that's, like, playing center. Like, I don't have a ton of confidence in playing. I think he can be the fifth starter on a team playing guard, but um, if he can get back to the same level of play at center, then it's like, all right, we got an answer there. But it's like, we've, well, we've only seen him play one game of center, so we need to see that. Right. You said that corner should always be a position that you're drafting. I think interior offensive line should just always be a position that you're Drafting, drafting, drafting. Because even if you're not drafting guys to be starters per se, you always want somebody to be a starter, but they're just so important for depth as we've seen every single year of every single giant season. <laughs> yeah, basically besides 2019 or 2020, like we've like 2020, though, we didn't have to use 2020. It was like we had the most healthy offensive line of all time. Like well, I mean, even Will Hernandez year. got Will Hernandez got COVID, and then Shane Lemieux, a guy that you drafted, had to start. So yeah, and that was that was because of COVID. And Hernandez was healthy the rest of the year. Gates started the whole year. Zeitler started the whole year, and then um, Fleming started the whole year. Uh, yeah, and then five. So five, I I have two here. I kind of have quarterback here. But I also like think Daniel Jones is pretty is a pretty solid quarterback, so I'm just gonna say defensive tackle. I have nose tackle slash interior defensive lineman number three. Yes, but but quarterback could be the answer. I mean, if you really wanted to get cute, you could say quarterback one because it's like you need the the you know to shoot for the top quarterbacks in the league. But I'm just kind of like Daniel Jones is a solid quarterback. And well, I think yeah. This well, year also he's you, that. we approach this exercise. Well, I mean, I. I guess it's for this offseason, too. 
Well, I mean, it also depends on if there's a QB that we really like, then, and if there's a QB that Joe Shane really likes, then go get him. That's also yeah. it too. I'm like Daniel Jones shouldn't stop you from getting a quarterback that you really, really like. If that's a guy that you want to put your job on the line for, then go for it. So oh, we don't yeah. know that yet. Yeah, I, I don't. There's a good chance there won't be. Um, because this, anyways, I'm not going to say this class doesn't look good. I, I don't. I don't. I don't. No, we haven't looked at it yet. yet. We haven't looked at it yet. Um. I'm not just going to repeat people. All right, next question. Next question. Do you want to talk about something first? Um, I want to talk about DraftKings, but that was not because you said it. I just want to talk about them in general. Yeah. DraftKings Sportsbook. By the way, someone said we – I made – I made because you know how Eli and Peyton, they're very bad at reading their questions. They're terrible. They're horrible. I, and I love the main cast, but like when they are interviewing someone, they are horrible – at asking questions, horrible. They just read it like that. Like I, I'll, like say they're talking to Justin Pennick. Like Justin, I heard that you really like Shania Twain. What made you like Shania Twain? Mm. Um, should I answer? Someone's like sounds. Uh, you know, it's just like talking giants reading any ad, and I was just like, that's hurtful. Disagree. Um, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. It's and we're reading ads. We're not. It's not an interview. No. Uh, this, is, this is the official sports betting partner of the NFL. It's my go-to when betting on the NFL this season. Um, and you know what? Bet on the Giants to beat the Commanders. We're underdogs. Bet on them. Money line it. Bam. Win. Money. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Bet the Giants, people. Check this out. Check this out real quick. Right now. Everyone can earn up to 100% uh, earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped up same game parlays. I feel the pressure because of that Twitter comment. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a same game parlay and combine multiple bets like which team will win, player props, point totals and more. The more legs you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win. And and if you want to be like me, I am always up. Every time I go to New Jersey, I leave New Jersey up on DraftKings Sportsbook. So Make these suckers broke. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code JOHNBOY. Place a $5 bet on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code JOHNBOY. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. You'll be glad you did. You'll be glad you did. Make these suckers broke. Vin Scam at VinScam17. What do you see being the biggest issue with the O-line? How would you go about upgrading it? Is it just a matter of replacing Glowinski and Feliciano, or is it more than that? I guess we kind of just talked about that. Um, but I wanted to say Evan Neal was really bad this last game, and he came off two good pass pro games, you know, the the Ravens game and then this the, uh, the Commanders game. The Eagles just – their pass rush is just attacking in so many different ways, man. Like, it's hard to plan, plan for them, and they – they literally beat him in like every single way. Like whether it was beat, get, beat him around the corner, beat him inside, bull him. Like they just beat him in every single way. Um, you know, like watch the other line report, but that was discouraging. Um, the Eagles are going to have a top five pick again. Dude, it's so stupid. <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> it's like. Like if teams get quarterback hungry, like they could have Will Anderson Jr. on their team. It's like I I do like an, an NBA 2K16 my GM. I have like a franchise that's going into like 2060. I just I've never bought in a 2K after 2K16. Was that the Kyrie Irving cover? I I can't even tell you what the cover was. I have no clue. Um no, it I think was, that was no, a good it was, one. It was Anthony Davis, Steph Curry and James Harden. I think they all shared the cover together. Oh, was like the three Kyrie Irving cover was one of the best NBA 2Ks. So what I do in, in that game mode. is I just trade away good players that are on expiring contracts because they're like six men. They're like the six man on my bench and they're frustrated that they're on the six man. They're frustrated that they're on the bench. So then I just trade them away to lottery teams and then I like win the lottery and then I'll, I'll like win the NBA championship and then have the first pick. That's what the Eagles have done. Oh, NBA franchise mode on 2K, it kind of sucks because you can do that. Like, th- I've gotten to it where it's like I have like 
15 first round picks and if they're not a lottery pick trade them away if they're not a yep. pick where i want that player trade them away and you could do the you can and i started downloading historic draft classes so it's like i'm drafting ray allen like, I, oh. I know i know this is going to be a hit um you know so what were we talking about uh we were talking about evan neal having a bad game against the eagles however he had a good game against the commanders last time yeah like we, his best we, game of the season we need him to play good against the commanders because honestly he was some of the reasons why the passing game did not have big plays this last week. Like was because of Evan Neal specifically. Um, you know, so we need Evan Neal to step up and, and grow. It sucks. He had that injury. So like we need, we, these last four games are so critical for Evan Neal and his growth going into his second year, hopefully the last five or six games. But anyways, mm, good point. Good point. Chase Young coming back and talk about that. I think. I love talking about that. I know maybe you're not as into it as you were in 2020, but I'm still very fired up about Chase Young, Andrew Thomas, and just him saucing him and everything like that. Getting a salad tossed. Remember we won the Andrew Thomas Bowl. We, we did. Uh, Tone Garcia, Bigger L, Nate Solder, or Kenny Galladay? I was actually just glad that Tone asked this question because it's like, recency bias recency bias is a hell of a drug even as bad as Kenny Galladay's season has went and I and I don't think anyone of any of us could forecast it going this bad from training camp like you remember how like how much heat he was getting in training camp did, did anyone forecast it to be this bad Justin where he's just totally benched and it's not no. an issue no, no, I, I, no I had a moment I had a moment sitting in the stands on Sunday you know because you know, when, when it's a 28-7 game or twenty whatever it was, 24-7 game or, you know, and it's a blowout, your mind races to a lot of different places. And my mind was racing to, are we seriously getting blown out right now by the Eagles? And we're just, like, refusing, making an effort, not playing Kenny Colliday. <laughs> oh, and it's rightfully man. so. But even with that being said, to me, it's Nate Solder by a mile. We're still paying Nate Solder. Nate Solder lasted the entire Dave Gettleman era. And and here's what it comes down to. One, Nate Solder was paid at the highest. He was paid the highest player at his position in the NFL. One. Two, Nate Solder wasn't even good before he was with the Giants. At least Kenny Galladay was good before the Giants. Nate Solder sucked. And Kenny Galladay had one halfway solid year. Like Nate Solder was always bad for the Giants. Um, and here's what it all comes down to me, Justin. Nate Solder being on the field is way more cons- is way more negative yes. than Kenny Galladay off the field or on the field. Like Nate Solder, Nate Solder lost them games in 2019. Like there's there's go go back to 2019 and there's games where it's like if we had Andrew Thomas now versus Nate Solder then we Pat win the Schirmer game. Pat Shermer may have lasted past 2019 if Nate Solder wasn't the worst left tackle in football. Yeah, seriously. Pat Shermer would have gotten a year three because three, you know, anyways. And, and maybe there's not st- such this Daniel Jones discourse like, oh, the Giants should draft two. Remember, that was a hot button issue. Maybe there's not such a Daniel Jones discourse after year one and after his rookie year if Nate Solder isn't the worst left tackle football. For how much shit Andrew Thomas got his rookie year, I'm thinking to myself, where was this energy when we had Nate Solder? Where was this energy? And he was I still not even like a he, he when he played right tackle last year he was like not even like like he did not belong on a football field or on even on a football on a roster like he was so bad it was pathetic. Um, I'm still going to say that Kenny Galladay is a worse free agent signing just because he oh you're wrong didn't I, play but I agree wrong. with you you're I wrong. agree with you in saying that Nate Solder is way more consequentially bad. Well, that's a worse free agent signing then. I mean, Kenny Galladay's year one was better than anything Nate Solder ever did. Like, Kenny Galladay wasn't a horrible receiver last year. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess if I really, if you really put a gun to my head, I'm saying that Nate Solder is a worse football player than Kenny Galladay in a Giants uniform. And he had a bigger contract. To me, it's, and, and again, we're going to cut Kenny Galladay and save cap space this offseason. Nate Solder lasted basically his whole contract. Like, he, put, he, he held the Giants hostage, essentially. Um, he did. I, I, oh my gosh, Nate Solder pisses me off so bad. 
Yeah, I got heated right there. Remember when people were like, oh, he had a year off. He was going to. Nate Solder, and I feel bad because Nate Solder like, has gone through some family issues and he's actually like a genuinely good guy. But I remember people like, oh, he's going to have a comeback year this year. And not just Copizzle, like, but actual people who've been like, <laughs> he's going to bounce back. I was like, he admitted that he did not work out and that he is not in playing shape. Yeah, I'm not shape. in playing shape, guys. And the only. He, he essentially admitted in that article that the only reason he's coming back is because he needs the it's like he can't just pass up millions of dollars. Agreed. Crazy. Yeah, you're the my options are to retire or come back and get like five million dollars. Yes, I will take the latter. Yeah, that's like he essentially admitted in that article. I was like, this is crazy. Um, thanks, Dave Gettleman. I'm so, and I'm and I'm not saying thanks, Dave Gettleman, sarcastically. I'm saying it as Nate Solder. Thank you, Dave Gettleman, for giving me that money. Yeah, Kenny Galladay saying the same thing too. Yeah. Um. All right. Anything else before we close this mailbag pod out? No. Get excited for Sunday. Um. You know, we'll we'll break it down in the preview pod. I guess just like we did two weeks ago. I'll I'll rewatch that. That game that we had no, against we the fi- Commanders. We got, film. we got film, baby. We got film to see what they did. The Commanders didn't play last week, so they're on a bye. I actually love that, man. Um, you talk about it all the time. I, you know, It's not like the Commanders have been grinding in the building for two weeks. They were on vacation. You know, Luckily for them, they didn't have uh, any ATV accidents, and they also activated Carson Wentz. Is, that, is, is there a possibility he starts? No. No. But it's, it's a distraction. 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 We don't have that. Um, we almost did because Tyrod Taylor. By the way, Tyrod Taylor led the Giants in rushing on Sunday. Yeah, he I, had a he had a big uh. Did he have like a thirty yard run too? Yeah, yeah, huge. He ha- averages like fourteen yards per carry. Um, nuts. One of the my, I think the most liked tweet I got in. Uh, let me. I'm gonna find it because there's actually find funny. it. Yeah, so I that's an episode. I wasn't paying attention to Tyrod Taylor. No, of can't, course not. Can't tell you a single play. He had a really oh. nice throw to Richie Taylor or Richie Taylor, Richie, Richie Taylor? James. Um, in oh, and that's, time. that's is that where Richie James got concussed and then he held his head? Yeah, my biggest my yeah my biggest tweet of this year is Tyrod Taylor Taylor came into the game, threw a pick, did a <laughs> six spin move, got concussed, and called it a day. And. <laughs> That one was pretty big. All right, we'll see you guys on Friday for a preview pod. Get excited. We appreciate you guys. We'll see you then. Until then, let's go Big Blue.